I hope you had a great uh, Christmas or a good Christmas and something of a break over New Year as well. And uh, welcome into 2021. And I hope you're coping with lockdown 3.0. I, I don't know about you, like all of us, I'm having good days and bad days. I'm having some days where I think, yeah, we're going to get through this. And other days where I think, uh, in other days where I think I'm kind of losing the plot completely. It's just, I imagine all of us are in that situation where we're going through this roller coaster. I, I popped into the corner shop the other day to get something for dinner, and while I was there, I thought, oh, I'll treat myself to some uh, midget gems. You know, I don't know if you are partial to midget gems, but Budgeons midget gems, 79p, they are the best 79p money can buy. I mean, they're just so, so good. Anyway, so I bought a packet, and I got back into the car and hand sanitized everything, and I thought, you know what, it's nearly dinner, but I'm having some of those midget gems. So I grabbed a handful, shoved them in my, in my mouth. Unfortunately, the hand sanitizer had been a little bit excessive, so I had a mouthful of midget gems and hand sanitizer. And you know, I thought, you know, I'm not wasting a mouthful of midget gems. I'm chewing on through. The taste surely will override it. But no, the taste of that hand sanitizer was so, so strong. I just could not, could not get rid of it. So then I thought, well, before I swallow, I better check this stuff. So I looked on the back of the bottle and it's like, you know, caution, do not consume, seek medical advice immediately. It's like, oh no. So I had to get out of the car, spit the midget gems out, get back in the car, wash my mouth out with milk, which was the only fluid I had in the car. And it was just, it was just not a good, good, it was just not a good day. And so days like that make me think, goodness me. And, and it's like all of us, isn't it? We're having days like that, days that we're gonna go, feel like we're losing the plot. And other days when we really are despairing, the fear of what's going on, the fear of sickness, the fear of even death, the loss of finance, the uh, worry for relatives or even for ourselves. There is a trial that we're in uh, right now. And as we begin this new year, I had, the word I felt that God had for us was deeper. I feel like God is calling us deeper. He's calling us deeper into him. I feel like he's calling us deeper into community. I feel like he's calling us deeper into the harvest. And I want us to, to look at that as we uh, go through this today. And I felt, I felt drawn um, uh, to a psalm, Psalm 42. Um, and I feel like there's something in that psalm that will draw us deeper. You know, uh, some years ago when I was growing up, there was a massive storm, 1987 it was, and uh, where I was growing up in the south, uh, southeast of England, um, this huge storm hit, and Seven Oaks, which was a town uh, near to where I lived, um, overnight almost needed to be renamed because it was named because of the seven massive oaks, and yet this storm hit so hard that six of the oaks went down. It's now One Oaks, although I think they still call it Seven Oaks. Uh, bizarrely, uh, a few, about an hour away, there's a place called Romney Marsh. And Romney Marsh was hit harder by the storm. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's an hour away, it's closer to the coast, the storm hit harder. And yet, there's these gnarly old trees on Ma Romney Marsh and not one of them went down. Not a single one went down. Why? Well, because those trees are used to living in an exposed area where the storms hit regularly, and because they're in a marsh, they dig their roots deep. They dig in deep. And not one of those trees went down when the, big, the great storm of 1987 came, yet other trees who weren't used to it went down. Here's the point. Have you and I got the root system to withstand this storm? Have we, have we got the root system to withstand it? And that's what I think we're going to draw out of this psalm. Psalm uh, 42 just helps us to dig our roots deeper. So let's just uh, read it together. 
This psalm has been used by, uh, for those who are not familiar with the psalms, the psalms are, are the kind of songs of the Bible. They've been used by God's people for thousands of years to uh, strengthen them in good times and in tough times. And this Psalm 42 starts like this. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food all day, day, day and night, while they sang to me all the day long, where is your God? The most likely setting for this at Psalm 42, it's written by a group called the Sons of Korah, who sound like an 80s metal band, but they're not. They were the worship team that supported the worship of the people of Israel during the time of King David. And the most likely setting for this psalm is when King David's son, Absalom, had tried to seize the throne and in fact had done so. And David and all his loyal supporters had to flee Jerusalem and literally escape with their lives. And as uh, they're reflecting back on that, that's the most likely setting for this, this psalm. They've literally lost everything. They are refugees from their own land. Their king has been deposed and now they are exiled from their own land. What stands out to me initially from this psalm is that in the midst of that, it, it, it exposes not their desire for stuff, but their desire for God. I mean, they'd lost everything, but in that, in that season, in that time, it exposed their desire for God. This people, this group of guys, this group of men and women are hungry for God. They say it's like a deer running and running and running so hard that in the end it is panting, it is gasping for water. I don't know if you've ever been in that situation where you're like, I don't, I'm going to die if I don't get a drink. I know we sometimes say that back, I'm going to die if I have a cup of tea. But you know, you know, when you really, really mean that, when you're so, so thirsty, the psalmists are saying, it's like that for us. We are so, so thirsty for God. We are desperate for Him. How's your spiritual thirst in this season? How is the thirst in your soul right now for God himself? Has the, the removal of this, the stuff around you, the, the shaking of things, caused that thirst? Has it caused you to go deeper? Because God is calling us deeper, I believe, into him. But we will not go deeper unless we've got a thirst for him. Unless we've got a thirst for him. Unless we're allowing this season to give us a thirst for him. Here's what one commentator writing about this passage said, none will ever come so long as they can find enough of good in themselves and without Christ to satisfy the demands of their own mind. This is most obvious. Their own vessel must be empty before they can ever come to Christ to have it filled. None will ever come to Christ for these waters of life as long as they suppose they can get it themselves by their own effort. One's own righteousness must be utterly renounced and all one's own ways of being saved, of being filled, else there will be no real coming to trust in Christ. Self must be utterly renounced. I found for me when the natural comforts of life are limited or taken away, it drives me into two places. One is despair, one is hopelessness, but the other place is realising that those things have never really satisfied the deepest longings of my soul. They're just a shadow, they're just a mirage, they're just the, just the, the, kind of the, uh, the, the shadow, the shape of things was actually the real thirst, the real desire is for God himself. And sometimes when those things are taken away, it exposes, that's my true desire, that's my true thirst. It's for you, God. None of this stuff will ever satisfy. My wife, um, Caroline, 
when the, our kids were younger, uh, she was uh, looking for something. And she said to my daughter, who was three at the time, she said, uh, why don't we, let's ask God to help me find my face, uh, my face lotion. Help, because I'm, I'm in a hurry. I need God to help me find it. And my daughter, daughter Kaya said, Mum, God will not help you with that. He's helping lots of other children. He's probably helping one of my friends right now. And Caroline said, well, that's the wonderful thing about God is he can answer lots of people's prayers at the same time. And Kaya, three years old, said, wow, I never knew that about God. I just feel like in this season, this time, it's a, it's a place for those kind of moments. Wow, I never knew that about God. It's a place of discovery. It's a place where we can find things in him that we never thought we would find. It's a place if we will let our thirst for him rise that we can go deeper. We can go deeper into him. What does that what does it look like for you to go deeper into him? I just feel like it's a time to explore new things to pray in a different way or with different people, to, to read the Bible in a different way or uh, uh, with different people, to explore a new way to, to, to express that hunger for Him. Find others who are hungry for God and get alongside them in some way, online or whatever, walking or whatever. Find a way to let that thirst, let that hunger for God express itself. I want to recommend a book, Liturgy of the Ordinary, by uh, a lady called Tish Harrison Warren, about, about her journey of finding God in the ordinary. Isn't life just full of ordinary right now, slightly boring? And yet she's found a way of finding God in the ordinary spaces. What does it look like for you to go deeper into God in this season? What does it look like for me to press those roots in deeper? And the psalmists carry on with this. They say this, these things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with a crowd of worshippers and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival together. They're cut off from Jerusalem, these sons of Korah. They could only remember what it was like to take part in the festivals of old, to celebrate with God's people. They, they, the songwriter is trying to encourage himself by looking back at the, th- the things that he's known in the past. And notice how he kind of wavers. One minute he's confident, yes, I'm going to be okay. We're going to get back to that place. And the next minute he's like, are we ever going to get back to that place? I don't know if you can relate to that right now. He's in exactly the same spot. The longing for community that so many of us are feeling, but not just any community, the longing for the community of God's people to worship together. I just look back on some of the moments that we've had over the years of worshipping, God's presence coming and filling the room, and times when there was, where you could even smell a burning, even though there was nothing burning in the room, and Phil Worthy had to pull over his car because it felt like he thought his car was on fire. It was just the presence of God and his uh, glory just manifesting amongst us. So many moments like that, and just looking back and longing for those moments it's such a healthy thing actually God is calling us deeper into him but he's also I believe calling us deeper into community and if we allow this enforced separation it will actually give us a greater appreciation for the community that we have a greater appreciation for the friendships the brothers and sisters in Christ the, the, the little niggles, the little things that we used to moan and gripe and complain about, if we'll allow this enforced separation, it will actually drive those things away. It will actually cause us to live out of a deep gratitude for what God's given us. We'll learn to delight in one another again. But you know, there is another option. 
there's an old saying that, that, that goes like this, absence makes the heart grow fonder. But I had another version of that saying, because what I noticed was sometimes absence did not make the heart grow fonder. Sometimes when I'm absent from people, I use that time to nurse old grievances. I use the fact that we can't seem to be, uh, be face to face to, 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 to maximise the miscommunications and to kind of wallow in those and to assume bad motives when they're not necessarily there. I allow the enemy to speak into my life and remind me not the things that I'm grateful for about these, the people in my life, but the things that annoy me about these people. There's an alternate there's an alternative version to absence makes the heart grow fonder, which I often use. It's this. Sometimes absence makes the heart grow fungus. <laughs> absence makes the heart grow fungus. Absence can do two things. It can make the heart grow fonder or it can make the heart grow fungus. And the psalmist is taking the right path here. He's allowing absence to make his heart grow fonder, to yearn for community, to long to be back with God's people, to overlook hurts and minor differences, to forget all that. But I think, and I'm sure actually, there is a divisive spirit at work at the moment. There is a spirit of division that is wanting to get into the nations of the world and into the community, even of God's people, and cause division and separation, and it's seeking to cause conflict where there wasn't conflict before, and misunderstanding. And if we will partner with it, absence will not let the heart grow fond. In fact, absence will call cold, would cause coldness and separation and division and cynicism. We've got to be really careful in this season, I believe. We'll partner with, with judgment if we're not careful. And we'll, just, we'll start to think, well, did you hear what so-and-so did and, and what that person did? I would never do anything like that. I would never think that. Could you, do you believe that? We start to allow these little judgments to fester in our heart. And instead of dealing with it, we'll just let it fester. And the fact that we're not seeing people means that we, we, we'll, let them, we'll let these things grow over time. What did Jesus say? Judge not for you will be judged. With the measure that you judge, it will be measured to you. And you might be saying, well, Simon, people are doing things wrong. They're really doing things wrong. And I'm sure they are. People make bad decisions every day. I make bad decisions. You make bad decisions. The world is filled with people who make bad decisions. And that's called discernment. We are called to discern right from wrong. And we're even caused called to challenge one another in love. But judgment is different. When I judge, what it does is it makes me feel that little bit superior. You can tell whether you've discerned or whether you've judged because when I'm discerning, I have a humble heart and I'm thinking, you know what, but by the grace of God go I. But when I'm judging, I put myself on a little bit of a pedestal. Not so much that I could be accused of pride, but just enough to make me feel superior, that little bit better. And instead of challenging or encouraging or asking a question, why did you do that? We spread a little bit of gossip and we allow the judgments to fester in our heart, just making ourselves, well, we're doing a, li a little bit better than them. I was chatting with someone the other day, actually, and they were expressing anger about the motives of somebody else, some, another person who wasn't there. And I was saying, well, how do you know that that, that was their motives? And they said, well, I just know, I know them. 
I said, well, but how could you know? I said, I, I don't even know my own motives for doing things sometimes. And I, 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 I'm loath to judge someone else's motives. Because I'm not even sure about what my own motives are half the time. And they said, I just know. I said, well, have you spoken to them? Like, no, I don't need to. I just know. So I left them with a question. It was this. How would you like others to judge your motives without asking you in the same way that you're judging their motives? They were not happy with that question. (laughs) But I think it got to the heart. It got to the heart that it's so easy, isn't it, in absence to let the heart grow fungus instead of letting it grow fonder. I am calling us to fight that. I'm calling us to fight that because I believe the Lord is calling us deeper into community to enjoy one another more, to celebrate one another more, to, to, to challenge even one another, but in love and in care and in concern, to pray for one another rather than gossiping and backbiting against one another, to seek to understand one another, to be like the psalmist, to look back and to say, oh, I long to be with the people of God. Because love covers a multitude of sins. You know, I was in South Africa some years ago and I was chatting with a young guy, his fr- friends, his name was, and we were talking about apartheid, and I was asking him his experiences. Obviously, he had finished uh, um, before he was, um, uh, when he was very young, and so he had not grown up with much of uh, the live apartheid, but he was still living with the impact of apartheid in his life and his family's life. And we were talking about that, and he said, you know what, as we finished the conversation and talking about the impact on South Africa, he finished it, he said, you know what, there were some good things that came out of apartheid, and I was a little bit surprised. I said, there were? He said, he said, yeah, there were some really good things that came out of it. I said, what on earth came out of apartheid that was good? He said, well, Ubuntu is the thing that I remember that came out of apartheid. Ubuntu is the thing that, that came out that was good. I said, well, what does that mean? He said, it means I am what I am because of who we all are. And he began to talk to me about the fact of apartheid and the fact that black communities were forced to depend on each other. And, and they had nothing but what they had they shared and and when they shared they shared willingly and graciously and no one was turned down from hospitality and it was so outstanding in that season that it even got a name Ubuntu that people still refer back to it brought this sense of community I just feel like God is calling us deeper into community deeper into Ubuntu deeper into caring for one another in a way perhaps that we've not cared before The psalmist goes on and he says this, Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love and at night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. The Hebrew word translated here, deep, refers to the deepest depths of the sea. The sons of Korah, exiled with David, have felt as if the recurring waves of trouble have just like overwhelmed them like the waves of the sea, like they're drowning in it in sorrow and despair. Jonah, who's a prophet uh, also that you read about in the Bible, he had a similar time where he felt like what happened to him was exactly like that. And he said this, you've hurled me into the depths, God, into the heart of the sea. The currents are swirling over me. Your waves and your breakers have swept over me. And maybe, maybe some of us, maybe many of us feel that way right now facing exhausting bleak situations 
And here's a strength, though, that comes from this psalm. They begin prophesying to themselves. These sons of Korah, even though they're recognizing the waves are coming over them, they feel like they're drowning. They began speaking to themselves. I don't know if you ever speak to yourself. I don't know what your self-talk is like. How's how's it it go? So often it can become negative, can't it? Most people's self-talk, if you're like most people, self-talk is negative. Oh, for goodness sake, Simon, why'd you do that? Oh, I wish you'd never done that. I wish you were more like that person. Oh, things don't ever go right for me. This negative self-talk can so easily get a grip. And yet, the sons of Korah are quite different. Because when they're in the pit, when they've lost everything, when they're refugees fleeing for their lives... They speak to themselves, but listen to what they say. Why are you cast down, my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. I will again praise him, my salvation and my God. They prophesy to themselves, hope in God. They literally speak to their own spirits. Hope in God. Maybe we need to change our self-talk in this season and call ourselves to action. Call ourselves to what we know we need to do deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls because there's another interpretation of this there's another interpretation of the deep that this psalm is talking about it's a deep need that calls for a deep salvation i believe the psalmists are talking about that these waves are coming over the roars of, of, of the waterfalls coming over them and yet out of it it is producing a deep cry a deep cry into the depths and into the heart of god They know that God is their saviour. James Smith, Robert Lee beautifully talk about this in their book, and this is what they write. The deep of man's need calls to the deep of God's fullness, and the deep of God's fullness calls into the deep of man's need. The deep mercy of God needs our emptiness into which it might pour itself. Nothing can fully meet the depth of our need but the depth of his almighty fullness. Deep calls to deep the deep of our need in these seasons can call to the deep of God's mercy deep calls to deep let your deep call to his deep as the psalmist say for I shall again praise him he is my salvation and that's the last deep that I felt God call us into deeper into him yes deeper into community but deeper into the harvest you see Jesus said this he said the fields are white for harvest he looked around at the despair around him at the hopelessness around him but what he saw was this the fields are white for harvest and in his uh, uh, phrase in the word that he was using the context he was using in the harvest to him represented the lost people who had never found salvation who had never put their hope and their trust in him who've never called out of the depth of their being to God and said save me and had the joy of finding God as their savior and for some watching this that might be you right now this might be the first time you've ever heard a message like this the first time you've stumbled across a church meeting of any kind and that's what you're feeling right now there's a deep cry and that's why you've come and I'd urge you now is the time to cry out Now is the time to cry out out of that deep place. You might never have felt this level of need before. Now is the time in that place. And and there's a little voice in your head saying, oh, Christianity is just a crutch. And I would say, yes, it is. Christianity is a crutch that those who know they need a crutch can lean on and it will not break. 
For years, I was too prideful to think I needed a crutch. Christianity is just a crutch. But there came a point when the deep cry was exposed and I realised I'm not as strong as I thought I was. I was only strong because of some of the props around me, but when I, all that's taken away, I am weak. And it's in that place that the deep can call to deep, that the cry can rise up in your heart. And it did in my heart. Call out to him. And for those of us who are already followers of Jesus, I would say this is a season for us to go deeper into the harvest, to go deeper into the lostness of the world around us. There is a world out there that is dying without hope and without Christ. And we are having it tough. You know, as Christians, we are having it tough right now. But you know what? Even in the, even in the toughness of the situations for us, at least we know we're not alone. At least we know that Jesus is with us. At least we know we're saved, that these troubles are just temporary, nothing compared to an eternal weight of glory. Imagine facing this without Christ, without that hope. Well, there are millions around us who are in that situation. I don't know about you, but I just feel this growing longing to enter into the harvest, to find those who are crying out for Jesus, who are desperate right now. And it's so frustrating this season with lockdown and you just can't get out and you can't talk to it. But you can't talk to anyone like you'd want to. But you know what? I feel that that, that frustration should be growing something within us. It should, be, it should be growing some momentum within us that I, I've been reflecting on the times in the past where I've, I've missed opportunities and I've, I've not taken the time and I've, I've spent my time on trivial things when really I, I wanted to be reaching others for, for Jesus and I should have been. And this lockdown has made me realise how much of that has happened and how much I don't want that to happen in the future and how much I want to be with Jesus as he is entering into the harvest there's a roar in this waterfall that we're going in through right now and I believe it's exposing a deep cry should be exposing a deep cry in us who are followers of Jesus but I believe it's exposing a deep cry in those who've never heard his name but they are crying out for something for someone for some hope and we've got to be like Isaiah in this season here am I, Lord, send me. Here am I, send me. In the frustration of not being able to do anything or being able to do very little, here am I, send me. And I just feel like God is calling us into that place of, of depth. God's calling us deeper into him, deeper into community and deeper into the harvest. What does that look like for us? What does it look like for you? What does it look like for me? As we respond to his call, I just feel as we step into this new year with all the uncertainty, he's going to do something deep in each one of us. Each one of us who respond to his call. God bless you and Happy New Year.